Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Psalm 78. Before I do that, I want to do something similar that we do on Mother's Day and Father's Day. Okay, It's not going to be exactly the same, but I want to know how many grandparents I have in here right now. How many grandparents? Slip up your hand. A lot more than the first service. <laughs> what about great-grandparents? Wow. What about great-great-grandparents? One, Miss Doris, uh, Mr. Hugo, awesome. Three times? Three times? Any great, great, great grandparents? None? That'd be a long, that'd be a lot of a lot of generations, wouldn't it? What about Caroline? Grandparents? Get your grandparents? Grandparents? You got great great grandparents? No? Just grandparents? Children. Y'all have any grandparents, children, all the children who are up here? Grandparents, can I see little hands? I want to see little hands. Little hands? Yeah. Yeah. What about great-great-grandparents? Do I have any? Yeah? One? I see one. Do I just have one? Two? Three? Four? One, one great. One great. Do I have, uh, parents, does, uh, if you have a young child, uh, do they have a... Great grandparent, do, do we? Do we see any? No. What about uncles? Do I have any uncles in here? Uncles? I want to see some uncle hands. Uncle hands. Uncle Jim, raise your hand. I don't see it. Okay, good. I got my uncle. Okay. <laughs> what about great uncle? Do I have any great uncles? See a few. Great great uncles. Two great uncles. Great great. Any great great? I see one. Good. You're not a three-time great uncle, are you? No, just two. Just a great-great-uncle? Good, good. <laughs> so we have what? How many generations would that represent for great-great? Five generations? Is that right? Is that right? We're in this Fire Under the Tower revival series. And at the beginning of March, we had a uh, Igniting the Flame revival. And it took place on uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And then next week, we'll have a... Uh, fanning the flame revival service which uh, will consist of Sunday night, Monday night and Tuesday night and Reuben Smith will join us again and that is next week. And during this revival we've we've uh, during each message the central theme has been fire. Every scripture that we've read has had the topic or the theme of fire in it and we're going to continue that tonight uh, this morning. We're going to continue it tonight. And we're going to, uh, Jimmy's going to speak one more time uh, next Sunday morning on fire. The definition of revival that Jimmy came up with, and I believe is, is I've never heard a definition like it. I love it. It's so true. It says, real revival is the visible moving of God among a specific group of people in a specific place for an indefinite period of time, changing the lives of those people. And so that's what we're here to do. 
And we're in the season of revival. If you have your Bibles, uh, I'll be reading from uh, Psalm 78. I'll read the first 39 verses. Verse 1 starts like this. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. Things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide from our we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our ancestors to teach their children, so the next generation would know them, even children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Verse seven. Then they would put their trust in God and not forget the deeds, but would keep His commands. Verse 8. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn, rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. The men of Ephraim, though armed with bows and turned back on the, uh, on the day of battle, they did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by His law. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. He did miracles in the sight of their ancestors in the land of Egypt. In the region of Zoan, he divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them from the cloud with the cloud by day and with the light from the fire all night. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of rocky crag and made the water flow from water down flow like rivers. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God and they said, Can God really spread a table in the wilderness? Verse 20. True. He struck the rock and the water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his people? When the Lord heard them, he was furious. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath rose against Israel. For they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them grain uh, of the heaven, uh, of heaven, human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all food, all, all the food they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens, and by his power made the south wind blow. He rained meat on them like dust, birds like sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp, all around their tents. They ate till they were gorged, and he had given them all. He had given them all what they craved. But before they turned from what they craved, even while the food was still in their mouths, God's anger rose against them. He put, them, he put, the, he put to death the sturdiest among them, cutting, the young men, cutting down the young men of Israel. Verse 32. In spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. So he ended their days of futility and their, day, and their years in terror. Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They remembered that God was their rock and God, that God most high was their redeemer. But, they would, but, then, but then they would flatter him to their mouths, lying to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. 
They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. Let's pray. Father, your word to us is is piercing to our souls. It's really piercing, Lord, when you talk about our descendants, when you talk about our kids, when you talk about our grandkids, when you talk about nieces and nephews and, and aunts and uncles and family. Lord, it's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different ball game. And Lord, you're trying to tell us something here, something that we oftentimes forget because it's such a lifelong process, Lord. We just forget about it sometimes and we forget the importance of it. And, and Lord, I just feel that it's necessary and I feel that you've, you've called um, me to speak this morning about this certain thing that, that we need to remember in revival and things that we may need to make decisions on during revival. And Lord, we, we praise you for this beautiful day. We praise you for this opportunity to be here. And Lord, when we come here and the air is still and our hearts are humbled, Lord, there's a sense of comfort that's like no other that we can't get away from. And we love to do it because it means a lot to you. It means a lot to us that that we, your people, confide in you in times of prayer. Lord, we lift up all these needs of the church and... um, uh, be, be with the birthdays and the blessings and and um, just guide us through the rest of this day in this revival. In your name I pray. Amen. There are truths that are found in Psalm 70 and 78 that give us insight about um, about revival. And, and they are so crucial in our lives because like I said in the prayer, um, it is a lifelong decision and it's a lifelong task what, what's, what's about to be said, and, and, and uh, oftentimes we forget about it. And especially during a time of revival, I, th- I find revival a time to uh, remember these things and ponder upon these things and work towards these things. So the first truth is this. During revival, we have to remember what God has done. We find that in verse 11 it says, they forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. And what he's saying is, I performed all these miracles, I delivered your people, but yet you still sin against me, and yet you've forgotten what I've done. When I was 16 years old, I felt the call to ministry. Uh, it was the summer of 2006, and that day, I started a shoebox under my bed. And in that shoebox are post-it notes that when I would go to Barry with the issue, he would write down a scripture, we would talk about it, he would write down a scripture, something that he felt would apply to my situation, and he would give it to me and I would read it and study on it, and, and I did my very best to remember it, but I would keep the post-it note and I would keep it in this box. When, when it was made known that I felt a call to ministry, I was still in the student ministry, a lot of you, some of you ha- gave me Bibles or books or uh, magazines or tons of things like that to that nature where I would read them 
and I would learn things and I would gain wisdom and I would put them in that box. And then I would have uh, uh, announcement sheets. Barry, oftentimes when I was in the student ministry, he would have the announcements on a colored sheet of paper and then we would flip it over and he would give out uh, and in his message to keep us alert, he would give out uh, like main points, and we would have to fill in the blanks just to keep our, just to keep our attention. You know, it's kind of hard to keep uh, uh, students' attention sometimes, and it's kind of hard to keep my attention as well sometimes. So those helped me out a lot, uh, and I kept those in there, and I would learn things about God and learn characteristics and 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 different things about His character, and I would keep those in that box. Unfortunately, uh, around the time of graduation, I quit doing that. I don't know why. Uh, I probably got a girlfriend or something. I don't know. But I, I, totally, I, I just kept the box under my bed. It's still under my bed now. And sometimes I'll go back. And I also kept an a index card book, a spiral little book. And it would have a, a prayer request back from 2006 and 2007. And, and, and looking back now on those, I'm thinking... I have forgotten so much. I have forgotten so much about how God has delivered us out of uh, situations. And, 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 you know, in many cases here in this church and other places, there's situations where uh, God has healed people whom we dearly loved. And then maybe a few months or a few years later, it just kind of trickles away and we kind of forget about it. Or sometimes, you know, back about, back about the time that I graduated, uh, you know, we, we were in a bad, you know, our economy was really bad, and so people were losing jobs. And so people would pray for a job, you know, they would lose their job, and they would pray for a job because they got two kids at home, they have a car note, they have a house note, and what are you going to do if you don't have a job? That source of income, being able to provide for your family, and I know uh, several situations in this church and outside this church that God granted people jobs, now, if they didn't like it at first, you know, it was a temporary thing until they found something permanent. But there are a handful of people in this church who went through that very thing, who experienced loss of job, and, oh my goodness, my retirement's going down the drain because I'm trying to live off it, and what am I going to do? And God finally grants you that job with benefits and insurance. A good example of that is Jeff Cannon. Jeff Cannon worked for that dumpster company, um, Five Star, Five Gate, Gate Five, something like that. And then he had a temporary job, and now he has an excellent, awesome job at Rhino down the street. And that's just one of several testimonies about how God has delivered us. And, 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 and uh, Jeff, I guarantee you, Jeff remembers what God did for him and his family, especially with a baby on the way. There's also situations in this church where I've learned that people have struggled having children. They, it, biologically and physically, you know, it just wasn't possible. And I know in some instances people waited as long as 10 years to have children, and they just couldn't. And now they have them, and now they're the Brady Bunch, right? Um, uh, you know, and, and, when we have, and then when they have the kids, or, or, you know, we forget about it. But that's just another situation where God has delivered us from issues and problems like that. Maybe it's uh, provide, God providing that reliable source of transportation that you've been needing for a long time. Maybe it's a child or a loved one who was either lost or have forgotten their roots and just kind of did whatever they wanted to do, and they came back. And, of course, there's God forgiving us on a daily basis 
every day, day in, day out. We mess up. We do what we want sometimes. But at the end of the day, if we ask for it, God grants it to us. The second is this. God's fiery anger turns us back to him. Verse 21 and 22 says this. says, When the Lord heard them, he was furious, and fire broke out against Jacob, and his wrath rose against Israel, for they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Whenever God, and verse 34 says this. Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. So what we see here is God getting mad. Because if you think about it from God's perspective, He has chosen these people of Israel, tribe of Jacob, right? He's chosen these people, and the people that He chose turned their backs against Him. Must have been a painful thing, right? God's chosen people turned their backs against Him, and they're saying, God, you can't provide for us. You can't feed us. So what happens? Man of water... The water comes from the rocks, man, it comes from the sky, meat comes from the sky, and God provides them until they absolutely eat themselves to death. And then when that happens, God says, what's up with that? You know, I provide for you, but yet still, you turn against me. And so what we see here is God's fiery anger bringing us back to him, or bring, uh, bringing us back to uh, him. He says, you know, I delivered your descendants. You know, way back when with Moses, uh, who, you know, who parted the Red Sea for you? Who delivered you from the hand of Pharaoh? Who did all this? If I didn't do that, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have this need. Sometimes we find ourselves in corners Sticky situations where our options are absolutely gone. We have no other options whatsoever. And sometimes God may intervene and let us know that He is angry with us. But the great thing about God is He doesn't keep it on us. He says in verse 39, it says, He remembered that they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. Truth number three, the fire of revival goes beyond us. I want to read the first four verses again. It says, My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. Things we have heard and known. Things our ancestors have told us. Verse 4, it's so important. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders that He has done. So what this tells us is that revival, when God sparks something in our lives from an individual standpoint, it starts with us, but it doesn't end with us. It starts with us, And we pass it on to our nieces and our nephews and our kids and our grandkids. And on and on and on and on it goes. And it says in verse 6, it says, So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. So this is something that starts with you. 
It starts with us. God creates something in our hearts. He delivers us out of something. He shows us love for us, and we respond by not stopping with the revival and ourselves by, you know, oftentimes geared by selfish desires, but by passing it on to the next generation. This past week, this past weekend... I had a family member die. Her name was Frances Kerr. Her granddaughter's here with us this morning. I'm sorry, making you cry, <laughs> cousin Pam. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, making you cry. Um, but she uh, she passed away this week, and she had a birthday party uh, a few months ago. And, uh, you know, Granddaddy was making his rounds, talking to everybody like he likes to do. And uh, I was, um, me and Bethany were checking out the little snack bar. They had a bunch of goodies. And, you know, so me and Bethany hung out there, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, but towards the end, I, I sat down with Aunt, Aunt Frances, and, and I said to her, um, do you remember who I am? And she said, no, I don't. She said, your face looks familiar, but I don't know who you are. And I said, I'm Carolyn's grandson. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, we used to, you know, there was no such thing as, you know, somebody's parents. She said, we all just shared kids back in the day. And I said, well, must, must have been nice, I guess. I don't know. But uh, uh, she, was, she, was, she was about 87 years old. Um, I don't remember everything that she said to me. We, were talk, we talked for probably about five minutes. But what I do remember is looking at her eyes, looking at her ears, looking at her nose, looking at her mouth, and looking at the slight wrinkles on her face. And what I saw was a picture of my grandmother. There's not many things that I would give up. There's not many things I would give up if I couldn't spend one more day with her. Because I didn't know her. Um, And all that people can talk about When, I'm, when, when that knew her, I'm sure many of you in here knew her, all, I can, all they talk about is how great of a person she was. She loved to fish at the lake. Um, but what hits me hard the most is the fact that I was her first grandchild. I was two years old. My sister was three months old. And I was, I've been told that, that at times... Uh, when mom got tired or when mom had to go shopping, she would willingly keep me. And even if mom wasn't do the, doing those things, she would come to the house with mom and watch after me and hold me and, and love on me. And, and I want to know somebody who cared that much about me.
I'm confident that if she could, that she would share with me things. And that she would share, um, and she, that she would, she would reveal this, this sense of love she has for me that I can't, that I can't explain. I really apologize for this, I'm sorry. But some of the greatest talks my granddad and I have had is sitting on his couch watching Criminal Minds on the ION channel, right, Pops? Some of the greatest talks we've had is sitting right there um, talking about her. The fire of revival doesn't stop with us, it starts with us, and it flows through us. There's a song that my dad sang when he went out, when, uh, when we went out at Providence Church um, back a few years ago, several years ago actually. This is the lyrics of the song, it says, He climbs in my lap for a good night hug, he calls me dad and I call him bub. With his faded pillow, with his faded old pillow and a, and a bear named Pooh, he snuggles up close and says, I want to be like you. I tuck him into bed and kiss him goodnight, tripping over the toys as I turn out the light. And I whisper a prayer that someday he'll see. He's got a father in God because he's seen Jesus in me. The chorus goes like this. It says, Lord, I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me. I want to be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you because he wants to be like me. Second verse says this. says, I've got to admit, I've got so far to go. So many, uh, make so many mistakes. And I'm sure that you know. Sometimes it seems no matter how hard I try, with all the pressures in life, I just can't get it all right. But I'm trying so hard to learn from the best, being patient and kind, filled with your tenderness. Because I know that he'll learn from the things that he sees, and the Jesus he finds will be the Jesus in me. Right now, from where he stands, I might seem mighty tall, but it's only because I'm learning from the best father of them all. And the chorus, of course, goes against, uh, goes again like this. It says, Lord, I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me. I want to be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you because he wants to be like me. That is an excellent example of the way our hearts ought to be. It's when we see, it's when we have, uh, many of you in here have grand, grandkids and, and, and kids and and one of my biggest goals is to do that, is, is to is to have a revival that I feel like that God has started in me and keep it going. It's not something that we just keep for ourselves, internalize it, and just keep walking through life and, and forgetting about it. It's something that's a lifelong process that we hold on to. Because the reality is, when you go out, you know, when you go out to the store and you see somebody... They're just another person to you. But, and then, you know, when you come to church, you see your church family, and they're your church family. But your kids and your grandkids and your nieces and nephews, that's a whole different ball game, isn't it? That's a whole different ball game. Nothing else, every, nothing else gets in the way. Only 
your grandkids, your kids, and anyone else you can get your hands on, okay? They might as well have, uh, you know, checks to your savings account and checking account and, you know, key to your house and all that kind of stuff because, you know, you want to spend as much time as you can with them. And I believe that God purposely gave us these feelings and these emotions and they desire to love and be with our kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews for this reason. The source of love that we internalize when God comes into our life is the same one that we pour out to our kids and our grandkids and our nieces and our nephews. This fire through the generations is actually love through the generations and compassion through the generations. What an awesome thing that is. It's a long-term thing. It's our whole lives. It's a love through the generations. Love of Christ for you and the love of your descendants from you. Let's pray. Father, it's a whole different ballgame when we talk about our kids and grandkids. And Lord, this fire that we experience now is not just for us. It's for them. And it's for their kids and their grandkids. And Lord, if there's somebody here who just feels like that they need to recommit themselves to their descendants, that, that life just seems too overwhelming for them to deal with them. Lord, there's more important things we feel like sometimes, but God, the most important thing is spreading the love of Christ through the generations. And this is fire through the generations. It's not, it's not some story or it's not some task. It is your love that we spread through the generations. Because there's someone here who needs to maybe recommit their life to their families or recommit you know, the life to the Lord or, 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 or those of, uh, of us who haven't uh, accepted Christ as our Savior, if they need to do that, do it now. If, you look, if you've been searching for significance and love, it's here. It's through Christ. We give you praise for who you are and what you've done, Lord. May we remember everything that you've done for us. The things, Lord, that that we tell our descendants are things that you've done for us to provide examples, to show the impact of your love and to give them wisdom of the fact that when we do things wrong, God may get angry, but at some point, at any point in time, we can stop and talk to God and ask for repentance and and, and turn our lives around, Lord. We thank you for your love and your forgiveness and bless us throughout this week and uh, for this uh, week of revival coming up next week. In your name I pray, amen.